this computer. Hi everyone, my name is Jeanette. And my name is Hermela. We are here with a new guest, Tom Evans, who's the Executive Director of the Cambridge Redevelopment Authority. Today, we welcome you all back for season two and can't wait to share what we have in store for you all. We will be the discussing the stances and perspectives of a new stakeholder in our two bucks conversation. And as always, we will be addressing the through line question, can and should corporate entities play a greater role in our education? So hi, Tom, welcome, how are you? Good, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to participate in your podcast. Thank you, as are we. So to start off, we just wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit more about who you are and describe to us your role as the executive director of the CRA. Sure. Um, so again, my name is Tom Evans. I'm the executive director of the Cambridge Redevelopment Authority. I've been in this position for nearly a decade. Um, I come to the position from an urban planning background and uh, have um, worked in other uh, state and municipal uh, agencies uh, related to urban planning, development, transportation planning, and community development. Uh, the Redevelopment Authority is an agency that's been around for uh, over 60 years, uh, though when I took over um, in 2013, we were going through a, a full reboot of the organization, and uh, we began with a staff of one. That was me as we uh, had a complete turnover of the previous staff. Um, and so I've been rebuilding the organization over the past 10 years and uh, expanding and realigning its scope uh, for its community work in Cambridge. Awesome. That's amazing. And we appreciate your service to the community and all the work you've been doing alongside the CRA. So I think with that said, let's just jump in. Um, so do you mind elaborating a little bit more about the mission of the CRA and what exactly is redevelopment? Um, just to give a definition for the listeners that are tuning in today. Sure. Uh, we're definitely an unusual uh, organization in that we are a government agency uh, that is based on uh, local government politics and our, uh, we answer to a board of five individuals, four of which are not nominated by the city manager and the city council, and then one uh, board member who comes from the state. So we sort of straddle um, local and state uh, government where uh, the redevelopment authorities were established in the 1950s to revitalize uh, the older industrial cities uh, of the country. And the original manifestation of uh, redevelopment or urban renewal was done with a fair amount of uh, heavy impact on urban communities uh, and with, I think, some significant uh, racial uh, outcomes that weren't necessarily necessarily overtly stated, but were certainly understood. And in, but in more general terms, redevelopment is the process of reusing uh, existing urban areas uh, for uh, new purposes. And so rather than 
development that's happening out in suburban areas or in what's often called greenfield development. Redevelopment is focused on what you can do uh, within the existing urban fabric, utilizing uh, existing infrastructure, streets, uh, and roadways and uh, storm, sewer, rail transportation infrastructure that's already there. So we consider it part of a smart growth agenda of re of absorbing the growth of the Boston area in existing urban areas rather than sprawling out. Um, so that's been the focus of the redevelopment authority. Um, and a lot of the work that we were diving into from the sixties was looking at getting reinvestment of development that was otherwise happening out by 128 or 495 and having that focus back in, in Cambridge. And a lot of our work has been focused on Kendall Square and getting the the jobs that were coming out of the innovations of MIT and Harvard that were um, heading out. And, and the 128 corridor was the originally the, the tech center of Massachusetts. And uh, we wanted to get that focus back in uh, to, to the city core. So that's, that's, a, that's a little bit about our history. Um, it's been at times very focused on commercial development, but redevelopment has also been focused on on housing, getting mixed use development in Kendall Square and into other parts of the city. Awesome. Thank you for that clarification. And just like you said, it sounds like the CRA does obviously service the greater Cambridge community. And you do a lot of work within Kendall as well, kind of taking up that old infrastructure and redeveloping it. So we just wanted to ask you, what are some of the CRA's social obligations to the community and the idea of like, how have you been utilizing what is already existing in the Cambridge area and kind of reusing that to help out the community around it? Yeah, and I think that that social obligation has, has evolved as we've uh, seen the our understanding of urban communities uh, um, mature, I guess. the original work of the CRA was very much focused on on job creation um, and getting uh, the whether there's some focus on on some light industrial preservation, but really getting focus on office development and then eventually lab development. Uh, and but I think that the that social obligation has uh, come to a more thorough understanding of what that job growth means that you can't just have job growth without thinking about the need for housing um, and thinking about multimodal transportation into uh, those jobs so that we didn't have a tremendous amount of uh, automobile traffic coming into the into Cambridge and focusing on on a, a very diverse array of uh, sustainable modes of transportation, walking, biking, transit. Uh, but also with the job growth is thinking about who gets those jobs and focusing on opportunities for workforce development. Uh, initially, the CRA had a, a real focus on construction workforce development. And I think over the uh, past decade I've been here, uh, we've also been trying to figure out, well, what, what do those permanent jobs look like and, and who occupies them? How do we get people uh, ready for them? The other, uh, I think, tie into uh, social opportunities uh, beyond housing was also making sure that there's space 
in our commercial landscape for uh, local retail and retail entrepreneurs, and then also the nonprofit sector. And so a lot of our work over the past five years has been focused on making sure we're able to preserve space for nonprofits that serve the social community and the um, uh, broader regional area. Uh, the other focus, I think, has been what can we do to help invest in the facilities, the community infrastructure that not the nonprofit sector in particular provides. So not only providing space that we can build, but also providing grants to uh, nonprofits that own facilities that might need some rehabilitation or other modernization. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, like you said, the social obligations have evolved. And we additionally wanted to ask you about some of your work surrounding the Kendall Square community, specifically the project at 99 Bishop Allen Drive. And we were just wondering if you could explain that to the people who are listening and why you chose to get involved in that work. Yeah, so uh, for people who might not know the geography of Cambridge uh, as well as we do, uh, 99 Bishop Allen Drive is a uh, series of, originally they were uh, townhomes um, that in the 70s had become nonprofit office space. And the uh, owner of the building uh, a few years ago decided that they wanted to sell the, the building. And so we bought it. Uh, to preserve that office space uh, for the nonprofits that are located in Central Square. They were concerned that they would uh, be displaced and not be able to find uh, such centrally located office space. Uh, and we use those, uh, the fund that we get funds from some of the development in Kansas Square, we use that to make that property purchase and then uh, rehabilitate the building. And just over a year ago, we um, uh, completed construction on a renovation of that office space. Uh, we separately have worked uh, on actually the floor that I'm sitting in right now to create a, a nonprofit center right here in Kendall Square focused on uh, nonprofits that provide uh, workforce development or other economic opportunities. And so it's a space we call the link, uh, which is designed to be a link between those community services and the um, Kendall Square business community. Uh, so there's a uh, classroom space, event space, and then uh, co-working space for a number of the nonprofits that are here. That includes um, uh, Mass Bioed, uh, which is focused on uh, workforce development in the um, biotech sector, and um, Perscolis, who has programs training people in um, IT, um, and then a number of other. Those are the two larger uh, users of the space, but we have some other smaller tenants here as well. So we've been looking at creating um, these physical spaces to preserve uh, homes for these kinds of organizations in Cambridge. Um, separately, we've, we work a lot with the Kendall Square Association, uh, which is, represents a lot of the uh, business interests in Kendall Square and have been in uh, consistent dialogue with the staff and the members of the KSA about this issue of how we can do better in Kendall Square at making connections between the neighborhood and the businesses. I'd say one other layer is we, we do a lot of physical planning for uh, Kendall Square developments and open spaces and streetscapes. And we've had a real 
focus on making sure those spaces feel welcoming to uh, the broader community. So we created a um, marketing campaign for the open spaces and parks in Kendall Square called Open Open to All to make sure people felt like even though these were parks that were surrounded by office buildings, that they are public parks that everyone could come and visit. Um, and making sure that the um, uh, navigation and wayfinding Kendall Square is clear so people could just kind of know where things are and know about some of the public amenities that are here, like the Broad Museum and uh, the MIT Museum and some of the other open spaces in the Foundry. These are all projects we've been working on to create community space that's approachable in Kendall Square. Definitely. I think you've noted so many amazing points within um, what you just said. I think a couple to touch base on. I think for me, one thing that rings a bell is how Cambridge community is very much centered involuntarily around Kendall Square. And a lot of the work mm -hmm. that you do um, and the CRA does, even though the name is Cambridge Development Authority, uh, it really centers Kendall Square in the neighboring businesses and organizations that have their homes there. So I think that's a very interesting correlation to me just as like an observation is how much obviously there's a lot of amazing work that's being done within Kendall Square, but also for Kendall Square. And how can we drive some of that work to encapsulate the greater Cambridge community as a whole? And I think you mentioned like a lot of these spaces, such as the foundry that opened up last year, um, creating a community space where community members can feel involved and feel like they have a place of belonging within this high innovation sector is really important. And I think that's something that needs to continue being done, not just without, within Kendall Square, but all over the city to make sure that not only students, youth, but also families and individuals can have a place where they can go to. And Kendall Square is not just this close-ended or close-minded area where it's just biotech or um tech companies and tech sectors. So we want to make sure that all of Cambridge is fluid. And I think that's something that we've been exploring even more so is just even though Cambridge and on the outside, we have Kendall Square, we have Harvard and MIT, but within the community, there's honestly a very much of a negative connotation within these spaces. And we want to remove that because we want to make sure that yes, because you live in Cambridge, you feel welcome and you feel like you have a space within that space. So that's something that we're going to further explore throughout the Voices of Two Blocks podcast, but Two Blocks on a whole, and hopefully the CRA will join in on some of that work in, in opening up Kendall Square and all these sectors to the greater community. I think we, yeah. more, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, did we, let, we want to join in that work, certainly. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and just like you said, Jeanette, a lot of the time we associate Cambridge and Kendall Square with the innovation sector, because that's one of the things that the city's really known for. But I feel like it's important to note that there's a lot of nonprofit work going on. And I think that being able to contrast like all of the work that's going on with these businesses and Kendall Square, there's also a different side of it. Like all of the nonprofits that exist in Cambridge and there are so many doing amazing work. And I feel like the CRA helping those nonprofits out and creating that space for them also that shows how there's so much work that could be done in the community and just being able to partner together, I think, would create such a great impact. For sure. 
So to jump on based off of what we just mentioned, I think we all know after listening to this podcast so many times in our conversations that Kendall Square is the most innovative square mile on the planet. Um, And within that, there's just two blocks away, we have the Port Neighborhood, um, which is a a very different community, to say the least, um, from Kendall Square. So we want to ask you, how do we get young people of the Port community more specifically invested Um, but also aware of the economic growth that occurs within Kendall Square and how we can make them um, more aware in the sense of what's going on. And I'll follow up after. Well, I think as we talked about how we're focused on innovation in Cambridge, I think it's, it's worth mentioning that we are innovative on the, on the social nonprofit side. There's a lot of nonprofits in Cambridge because people, there's a, there's a startup culture around, um ideas to serve the community and i, I think that um innovators for purpose represents that as well like there's a lot of great uh organizations that are looking at finding uh ways to address the issues we're talking about and uh i think one of the things that we've discussed in is how how do we uh just like um uh now a, a small tech companies want to scale up. We need to figure out how do we scale up some of these impacts of these organizations. Because I think a lot of the ideas are out there and being worked on. Um, Efforts like what you're doing, I think that there's a a lot of work in the um, STEAM and STEM education world trying to provide uh, exposure to uh, math and science and innovation and creativity um, at different uh periods of time in the education system um i think that there's uh lots of ideas about how to take um uh creative ventures that might not necessarily be focused on on science but there's i mean there's a lot of creativity and imagination that goes into into the the work that happens here um and so looking into um artistic ventures and the collaboration between the arts and sciences uh, is another area where there's a, a lot of people doing the work, but there's there's I sometimes feels like there are many uh, small efforts going on and how to coordinate them and um, make them available to a wider audience is I think the next the next puzzle because I think the the ideas are there. There's no new idea. We just need to be able to figure out how to get. The ideas to grow and get more people participating in them, and um, I, I so I think I think it's that coordinated effort between the city and the businesses that are here and uh, the nonprofit sector and the community is is what is our next step. And I, I, it's interesting to figure out what's who is where does that live? Who owns that? Where does that want to um, be housed? Because I, I I don't. I don't know where where it should sit best. Is it is it within uh, government? Is it within a nonprofit that functions as this this coordinating entity? Um, there have been efforts to do that coordination, but I think none of it has quite um, taken hold. Part of this because I think there were the there was a lot of work that was just getting going, and then COVID happened. So there was there was a um, a STEAM collaborative com, uh, committee or a workforce um, task force put together. And um, and then 
COVID had everyone kind of, well, we literally all went back to our shells, but then we, everyone became very focused on the individual organizations and the survival of each of each organization. And so collaboration, which is already hard, became a whole lot harder because of COVID, but I think that's what we have to do. We have to find ways to get people together and intersecting um, in, in new ways and also in some of the old ways that we were doing uh, three years ago. Um, and it just takes persistent, persistent work. And I know that there's a lot of members of the business community that want to do it, but it's also not, it's not their number one job, but we need to make it become, if not a higher priority and easier for them to plug into. And I think that's, that's the other element is we want to bring down those barriers uh, from their side and from, uh, you know, I think sometimes the, the public schools are a little awkward to deal with at times. And so uh, working on uh, breaking down some of those institutional barriers in both directions would be helpful. Definitely. I think you literally hit the nail on the head with that. I think there's definitely, definitely that is exactly what we're, we have and, and we'll continue to say. I think there are so many, like, I don't want to say little efforts because they are doing amazing and huge work. Mm -hmm. But I think in their own small bubble, they're all doing an individual piece of the puzzle, which is important, but there is no through line collaborative effort in what the ultimate end goal is going to be. And yeah. I think that's where Cambridge is lacking in so many different um, spaces and, and, and projects, if you will. And that is exactly what we're trying to emphasize within two boxes that there are so many people such as us doing the work and making and causing the awareness, sparking the awareness, excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, but there's no end goal within a collaborative sense. Everyone's doing their own thing and staying in their own lane. And I think that's something that I come back to time and time again is almost the fear of crossing over into someone else's lane and, and feeling like you're taking the work from them or they're doing it more important than you are. Like there's so many different um, ways people have phrased it in the past to us. But I think that's something that Cambridge as a whole needs to focus on is sometimes the best way to finish the finish to cross the finish line is to to cross as a team and to crop cross as a mm -hmm. as a bigger group um instead of just the individual or just one person. So I think that's something that is definitely needed within specifically the comparing and contrasting of the port neighborhood to Kendall Square because like encapsulating within our name two blocks there is that literal but also that metaphorical disconnect between exactly. these two spaces. And we don't want that literal or metaphorical disconnect to occur on either end. So we are doing as much work and we're going to continue doing as much work to break down those barriers and make sure that both spaces can tune into each other and listen to what is needed in both ends. Yeah, I mean, everything that two of you said, I agree with completely. I think we've mentioned this so many times, honestly, in our other podcasts as well. There's so much work that's being done, but it really comes to the coordination that is needed to kind of take all of this work that people are doing and bring it together and actually make a cohesive plan to tackle the inequities that we want to fix. And I think that that's why a lot of different groups are finding challenges in trying to change what they want to do is because there isn't really that initiative that people are taking to reach out and kind of work together in a sense and I think that that's really what we want to work towards making sure that that collaboration is there there's a table where people could come to and work together instead of 
really kind of being independent and we think through that that's the best way we could achieve results no for sure and just to add in one more thing um before we get into the next question I think another point you brought up was the pandemic and although that was a way to separate and we all kind of came back into our shells, I think in a way also opened a lot of people's eyes on very persistent and systemic issues within our greater society, but also within Cambridge. And I think that was a very, at least for me, a very differentiating time to acknowledge the spaces and how during different times within the like our lifespan, if you will, times can change so fast but it can also change the trajectory of one's life and opportunity and what they have access to. So at least for me, that was a very big eye-opener as a student to see just like even just a minimal example is school. Like we were going to school, having friends, being able to talk with our teachers and play together. And then we just like got stuck in our little Zoom boxes. So I think that is exactly what is going on in the city of Cambridge is we're still climbing back out from the pandemic and trying Mm -hmm. to piece back together And that takes time and it's not an easy thing to do for sure. But I think time and time again, we're continuing and making those steps, but we still, we still have work to do. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, go go ahead. ahead. Oh, I mean, it's, we had to figure out how to use the tools that we did learn through uh, COVID, like meeting in in this fashion, Um, uh, but not let those get in the way of of collaboration and i think uh the connections between i mean i I think it i think we are coming through i see uh this fall in particular just that the meetings are back and um there's definitely more activity uh on the sidewalks around here uh but i i think it's we have a it it definitely slid backwards and i think that there's a lot a lot more um work that needs to happen to stitch the community together. Um, I was thinking about the um, the Charles River as a metaphor to some extent, like people, you often hear about everyone rowing in the same direction. And I think we are, I have all these organizations rowing in the same direction with the same goal, but we're not, we're not like a good crew team. I, I don't, I've never rowed crew, but I see them on the Charles River and it seems a big thing that they do is they coordinate, they all paddle together and they all get their timing and they just skim along really fast. That's what we need to, we need to do on this work. We need to uh, be more coordinated, um, not just be a bunch of little kayaks squirreling all in the same direction. Definitely. I think that's a great metaphor. So like you said, we definitely lost some time with the pandemic and kind of coming out of it, but I think we gained a lot of skills that we need to move forward and it's just about utilizing them. So Moving on to the next question, this is a throwback, but a while ago, we had our first of our two blocks workshops at Google, and we were able to discuss the role of all stakeholders in K-12 education. So you were there, and we were so grateful that you were present at that workshop, and we just wanted to ask you, what were some of your takeaways from the presentation? And just as a recap, the presentation revolved around creating shared value and trying to find a sense of like understanding between different corporations and the schools to benefit students' education. Well, one thing that Brett, the one of the items in the presentation that stuck out at me, which gets back to this, um, uh, the issue we've already been talking about is there's the sort of a circle of of institutions or roles, um, and it was kind of and and in the middle there was this need for coordination on those shared values. 
Um, and there, that's it, and that feels like the donut that we're talking about is how do we uh, stitch together those connections? Um, I think that Matt in K twelve education, it's a it's a real interesting. I mean, I so I can't, I actually was a teacher uh, before I was an urban planner, so I taught math and science, and um, I think that the what the the value that we can uh, grab out of Kendall Square is this. One thing that makes math and science, I think, interesting is is curiosity and excitement, and, and find that the stuff that goes on around here is just like it's kind of can be it can be a bit mind blowing um, to, once people get exposure and understanding of what's going on, and so some of the um, book work that one is doing in in school can suddenly become alive and, and feel like it has some application when we get these experiences. The, the challenges for schools is they at the same time have, oh, A, there's COVID, so they're recovering from that, and B, but there's also a, a fair amount of, of academic standards that have become more and more important, and that's what people are measured on um, as educators. And so they're not necessarily measured as a school is not measured on how many experiential trips that uh, their students have gotten a chance to go on or how and it's actually very just hard to to measure measure curiosity um so i think it's it's a you have to find a way to do both those the basic building blocks of education that are um gonna be the metrics that we're going to evaluate school performance on whether it's um, MCAS or other other kinds of standardization tests and so forth. I think they have a role, but uh, also we just need to leave space for um, other outlets of educate of experiential education. Getting out and doing community work like what you're doing, getting uh, field trips that I know are a key part, and getting also I think the the science uh, from around here into the class and the classrooms having mentors and teachers from industry come into the school. Um, and I think, you know, again, we talked a little bit about barriers. It's hard in both directions. Like schools don't want just like any any old uh, tech person just kind of wandering around the halls and, and talking about technology. There's has, You want to make sure you're bringing in people who um, can work with kids and um, uh, can share ideas in a way. And the same thing is they, the, la the labs can't just have um, students streaming in all the time, uh, looking over their shoulders. So we need to find these spaces where um, uh, the scientists can get in the classroom as easily as possible and the students can get into the science labs as uh, as easy as possible. And then, um, and I, you know, I don't know that the um, spaces that we are working to create, like things like the foundry, things like the um various uh, community labs like biogen has um service as these like in be in between um uh, spaces that aren't the classroom they're not the labs but they can simulate both and maybe find a way to bring the both the uh, uh both the out of classroom experience and the more formal education uh setup so i think i think getting that out of school time is is really essential um 
I think that they, uh, I, I, I don't know how much more, um, uh, teacher training is, uh, is a part of it. I think teachers already have so much on their plate as in their job is, is, is really difficult. And, um, I, I think that we need to find ways to make it really easy for educators to, to plug into what we're doing here. Um, and I think that there's, you're not going to have, I think, meaningful field trip or ex, external um, school experiences. We don't have motivated teachers on the inside wanting to do that, right? And, um, and so I think that there's there's ongoing outreach to the education community about about what opportunities the companies around here can offer, and we just need to make it as easy as possible for them to plug into that. Um, sort of a little circular, but I hope I got to some of those ideas. Uh, that, um, that is perfect. And I, I really immensely appreciate um, the perspective that you hold, not only as a past educator, but also someone who works for a government entity as of right now. And I think that is a very interesting and unique perspective because you honestly have like a dual lens on mm -hmm. on the ways you view issues. And I think that what's makes you a very good supporter of two blocks is that you're able to understand students and the needs of students, but also put them in a position of how do businesses per, like help within that um, and how we can create that crossover. So that introduces me to the next question. And this is something that we're always talking about regarding CSR and CSV. And you've been present in a couple, a handful of these meetings where we talk about this framework from the Harvard Business School but we've never actually asked this question to a government entity. So I think this is an interesting way and a different perspective that we'll, we'll get today from you. So as you know, we introduced in the facilitator at our past two workshops, FSG, introduced this business strategy called Creating Shared Value. So I'm just gonna define it just so we have a refresher. Um, it is defined as policies and practices that enhance the competitiveness of a company by improving the social and environmental conditions in the com communities in which it operates. And this is very different from corporate social responsibility, which is fundament fundamentally about taking resources from the businesses and investing those resources in being a good corporate citizen. So using those definitions, what do you think um, it will take for the CRA more specifically, um, either just as in its own figure and entity, or even you can speak on behalf of Kendall Square because you've done a lot of work um, within the CRA about Kendall Square um, to move from a CSR mindset to a creating shared value mindset. I think that, yeah, there's there's there's, there's a, certainly a, a lot there. I mean, the there's a lot of conversation um, going on just in in nonprofits and philanthropy about um, the role of corporate giving and sort of this the idea of just, oh, you're, you know, this ties into a bit of the um, social responsibility element of like, uh, of like, of handouts, right, or of providing, um, okay, we're, we're gaining wealth, and then we're sharing a little bit of that. Um, and I believe that the shared, the creating shared value concept um, gets a little bit more at who about how that wealth is created in the first place, and how and who gets to participate in that wealth creation, and that there's likely in I would imagine most and I'm not a business person, but I would think in in most business contexts, um, 
value uh, created by um, shared perspectives and the creativity that can come out of um, a broader participation um, in your business ventures. Certainly for the CRA's work, as we're trying to do work to invest in, in the community and support the, the work of nonprofits and um, leaders in the community, we need to hear about those needs from the community. Like we, I can sit in my office and think about what uh, the Cambridge community needs, but if we're not actually hearing and in dialogue with people, then then we're going to be off the mark. And I would, so I would assume the same thing applies in in the business sphere, whether building a um, a tech platform or um, I'm sure e even in in medical sciences that the more you understand how that technology will um, impact and be used by the community, then the more effective it is, even in just an outreach of, of getting people interested in, in um, seeking medical treatment. Uh, and so I think the more you can understand about the, the broad set of values that come out of a community as diverse as Cambridge, then I think the, the better, um, we can do as government, and certainly I think also that would apply to businesses that they can better serve um, the the community in their efforts, so that there is an additive value for our work and for the business work uh, of bringing in those um, social constructs that uh, that the community knows about, and sometimes it seems like government and business has been a little slow to realize. Oh wow, there's there's a great deal of um, perspective that we're not getting from our seat. And so if we can get a, a broader perspective, we can do our work better um, and maybe can go farther together. So I assume that there's 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 a, a, a profit mindset that could um, gain from this, um, but certainly in a doing a better job at, as a government ent uh, entity, the, the more connection we have to uh, as broad a range of the community as possible, the better we can do our job. Definitely. Yes. I mean, exactly like you said, I feel like outreach is such an important component when it comes to creating the conversation that is necessary for creating shared value to happen. Because if the businesses don't know exactly what the community wants, they can't really utilize their resources to the best of their ability and to actually help out the community in the right way and in the ways that they need. So I feel like being able to somehow like find a way to spark that conversation is like such a preliminary step that may not seem as important. And maybe some people think that they can operate without not he hearing the full picture. But I think that just having that community input on top of the business input is something that is really needed to get this conversation going. Yeah. And adding on to that, I think there's such a power with just simply having a conversation. And I think right. that is just one of the real pillars of Voices of Two Blocks in the podcast is we believe in the power of conversation. And conversation is really just like the first step through the door in a lot of issues that need to be solved and need to be attended to. And I think even within this issue of these separate communities under one roof and the tales of two cities, um, I think just sparking a conversation between residents of the port and also and I know there has been sort of an informal exchange of thoughts mm. and and preconceived notions from either end of those of those entities 
on what either one needs or what either one is lacking. So I think we re- really just as a city need to come together and address this as a general statement and a general issue within our city. And I think that, again, just acknowledging and, and understanding that it is an issue is another step in the process. A lot of the time, yes. we don't like saying we have issues as a city and we're just even like on an individual basis. It's mm-hmm. hard for people to admit and come to a conclusion that they need help or they need to come, they need support within within their own community. So I think that's very important for Cambridge to come to a consensus on what needs to be done and how we can make this city a more dual-ended place for both entities and no matter your socioeconomics, religion, class, ability, that is not a barrier for the opportunities and the things you can access within the city. And I think that is very doable given the infrastructure and the resources that are available within our city. So I think with that said, we just like want to end this off by asking you, how do you think the CRA can help facilitate our learning and, and what can you guys as a organization and government entity do to partake within our learning? So I think there's a, a few things. One, uh, we've been talking a lot among staff about how we can uh, do a better uh, a better job uh, getting opportunities for um, people in the community and young people in particular to understand the work that we do. Um, and like, so, you know, we're not we're not doing science, so we're not necessarily uh, the 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 key focus of of workforce development, but I think that there is some really interesting uh, work that goes into development and um, urban policy and planning and so forth. And so we'd like to, we're trying to figure out how we can grow our own uh, kind of internship and workforce development program about about the kind of work we do um, and find ways to uh, specifically collaborate with uh, community members in our uh, community planning and outreach and uh, design efforts. Uh, I also, I think we want to continue to be uh, use our voice uh, in Kendall Square to uh, to bring this issue up again and again. And even as we start to get traction, um, you know, in 2023, you know, if there's, if there is a recession and everyone has to retrench a little bit and kind of go back to their core business. It'll be easy to forget about, Oh, well, we remember back in, um, in, uh, last fall, we were talking about this of making sure we consistently bring up this issue as part of what economic development should be focused on. And so, um, we brought up and we'll bring it up again and continue to bring it up and really, I think focus on, uh, who, where does this coordination role fall? Um, I don't know if it sits with us necessarily or with government, but but maybe. And sometimes we'd, we'd see if there's a void there. We need to find find the best way to fill that up and and help support that 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 networking between all the efforts that are going on in the community. Um, again, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the solution is, but I think continuing to uh, push that. Uh, the conversation needs to go on. And even if we do think we found a solution uh, for this year or next year, it's a process that's always going to be going on. We're always going to need to be uh, pushing for connections between uh, the economic engine of Kendall Square and the community. And and there's going to be another 
you know, there may be some other new technology that, that is coming forth. There may be another wave a few years out, and we need to figure out how we're developing the workforce uh, to serve serve that need. So acknowledging that it is always work that we'll need to take on if we want to value uh, the the connections that Cambridge can make between its economic engine and uh, the community it serves. Yeah, I mean, I think those sound like great first steps. And that thing that you said about acknowledgement, I really do think that that's something that like a great preliminary first step in wanting to work towards the mission of two blocks and kind of helping like businesses in the general city facilitate our learning is being able to acknowledge that the problem that we're experiencing exists. And then after that, after you acknowledge, accept that it's real, understand that it's also systemic, like it's deeply rooted, it's not really a surface level issue, and kind of getting to terms that it's going to take some work to kind of reach a solution to this issue. I feel like from there, the conversation will just flow even better. And the solutions can be created and built with like connections from all entities to kind of make sure that what we're working towards happens. And I think that the CRA also has a very unique perspective when it comes to kind of like that intersection between being a government entity, being involved in the business community, but also having um, connections within like nonprofit work as well. I feel like all of that combined just is a really great way to involve different stakeholders in the conversation. For sure. I think, again, adding on to Hermela, you brought up a very interesting point again about your perspective as a CRA because you have this crossover between not only being like an organization, but also a government entity. And that makes your role, like I said, again, very unique in the way that you look at problems and, and attempt to, to solve them. So I think with that said, that is almost basically encapsulating what two blocks is, is that a lot of the time, the conventional way to solve an issue or a problem is there's always a one, like a one figure or one subject that is the problem solver. But honestly, at the end of the day, it takes a group collaborative. And that's why we have and developed all three of these entities as part of this greater issue, but also as the greater solution, because we all have a role to play, no matter if you're in the city government, if you're a Kendall Square business or a business in general, or some a member or a student within the CPSC district. So I think with that said, we want to know if you have any last comments or or lingering thoughts you'd like to add in. I just um, my last comment is I'm inspired by the work you're doing um, and uh, finding a way to bring this dialogue uh, uh, to the the bigger community of Kendall Square and within within your neighborhood and the student community. So um, uh, your your work is impressive and very important, and I uh, hope that you're learning from this um as, as well as it sounds sounds like it's been uh, a really strong experience you sound very passionate about about this work and we need more leaders like you so thank you for your your efforts thank you we thank greatly you. appreciate your time with us today so that's it folks so stay tuned for our next episode thank you again tom thank you